Thank you for listening to a podcast of Rock Church. For more information on sermons and events, connect with us online at rockchurchnow.com or search Rock Church Now in the App Store. All of us have relationships, whether we like to admit it or not, right? Maybe for some of us, it's a, 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 a dating relationship. Maybe for some other Ones of us, it's a married relationship. Maybe other people, we've got some really strong friendships, right? Over the next four weeks, four or five weeks, we're going to be talking about this idea of relationships and that it's one of the most important things, catch this, of being a Christ follower. Whether we like to admit it or not, we need each other. God calls us to each other. And so relationships are very, very, very important. Uh, like I said, we are a church that believes in all generations, right? We want to reach, raise, release, and reproduce all generations. So today, as I dive into the topic a little bit more, I want you to be intentional to focus on where you need to grow in your relationships. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit more about family, and the next couple of weeks will be a little bit differently. But I want you to focus on what you, in your current situation, can focus on. And speaking of all generations, we have a relationships course that's kicking off in the fall, this fall, for all of you. It's really exciting. We're excited about it. And not only that, it's going to be on Wednesday nights. You'll be able to bring your whole family, talk about all generations, right? Where we'll have kids ministry, we'll have student ministry, and young adults going on all at the same time. So this, this fall, I want you to make a commitment that you're going to grow in your relationships with your family on Wednesday nights. Sound good? All right, I got all you committed, so here we go. Uh, as I talk about relationships, I'm going to talk about this idea of family, right? A lot of us might have families. Some of us, sadly, might not have families in the current uh, spot in life that we're in right now. But when I say the word family, I know what comes to mind. The picture-perfect family. Everybody's got a picture-perfect idea of what family means in their life, right? You'll see on the screen, you've got the perfect family, maybe three kids, a mom and dad. They all dress super nice. The family pictures can never go wrong. This to us is the perfect ideal of family. And I'm going to say something that may be controversial. You ready? Let's get as far away from this idea as possible. Whether you like to believe it or not, these may or may not be paid actors and paid uh, models in this picture right now. The crazy thing about it is, is that we think of family and the perfect family looking something like this, right? Having a nice house, being in a loving, committed family where both grandparents are super involved or the kids obey the parents wherever they go and pose for the perfect pictures and it was so easy to get them dressed this morning, a lot of us think that this is what perfect family looks like. And instead of talking about the perfect ideal family, I want to shift our perspective to this idea of a biblical family. What if we began as a church, as families, to say, I'm no longer going to strive for the outward appearance of a perfect family, but I am now going to strive to make my family a biblical family. A biblical family. Let me give you some examples, okay? There's a lot of examples of family in the Bible. So if you've never read the Bible before, I'll give you a brief outline of certain things, okay? The first ever family 
it recorded in the Bible, Adam and Eve, right? They're the first ever people ever created. They had two kids off the bat, right? They had Cain and Abel, okay? Cain and Abel had some sort of sibling rivalry going on, I guess. And, and what ended up happening was, first ever family, right? Biblical family. Cain kills Abel. So we're off to a great start so far with biblical families, right? So that is the first ever family that we have to go off of. Okay, there's got to be a better family in here somewhere. Let me, uh, let me look for the next one. Uh, oh, Noah. Okay. Let's talk about Noah. A lot of us know the story of Noah's ark. Noah hears from God. He builds an ark. He saves it, him and his family, load up with all the animals. Sounds like the picture-perfect uh, moment for a family, right? And so they load up. They survive the flood. They get off the boat. And the father of this family that just saved the family gets drunk and his son has to cover him up. Talk about trauma for his son. After Noah had just heard from God and now had to do this. Okay, we're off to a rocky start here. We don't have really, okay, how about this? Joseph, Joseph in the Bible. Joseph uh, grew up to be, in, uh, he ended up being in power later on in life and did a lot of great things for the Lord. But Joseph also had some sibling rivalry going on during his growing up. Joseph's brothers tried to kill him because they were jealous of him because their dad favored him. And instead, you're like, you know what? That's a little harsh. Let's just sell him into slavery instead. And then they lied to his dad about it. All right, you're, you're, you're thinking, okay, you're talking about biblical families. I know where you're getting at. You've got all these Old Testament examples. I bet you there's got to be a good New Testament example of family in the Bible. How about this? Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And I'm not even talking about like the unplanned pregnancy part of the family, that aspect of it. But remember the time where Mary and Joseph, you know, had this, the son of God as their child and then lost him for a couple of days? All of my parents in the room right now are going, oh boy, I, I remember that moment. I'll never forget as a kid. My parents were always really good, you know, about keeping us together and not losing us. But there's one time, okay, one time I snuck away and I had no idea and I was terrified. But I got lost in Meyer. I think it was this Meyer over here at 26 Mile or the one out in Chesterfield. I got lost at Meyer and it was traumatic. But instead, in this story, Jesus it gets lost in the temple and ends up doing what God is asking him to do. See, when we search for picture-perfect biblical family, you're not going to find any families like the stock image I showed you earlier. Catch this. There's still a lot of brokenness in biblical families. And I think sometimes we try and separate the two, and we think, well, I may have been broken before, but now I'm not going to bring that brokenness into my family. But I want to tell you, the Bible shows us that there's tons of brokenness, there's tons of things that still might be wrong in biblical families. And if you get anything out of today, if you're a parent in here, if you're a kid in here, I want you to know, that your grandparent in here, I want you to know this, okay? A biblical family truly gives our kids a front row seat to the grace of God. If you catch anything, I think what's so important about that is this, is that sometimes we try and keep it all together and we put on this mask and we walk into church and we're dressed to the nines and we forget that the whole point of being a Christian in the first place is the grace of God. We forget about God's grace. And so 
allowing your kids, allowing your parents, allowing your grandparents, allowing your cousins, your aunts, your uncles to see front row first that God's grace is all over your family, regardless of the mistakes, regardless of tough decisions. We want to point back to what? Honesty, humility. And we want good conversation to come out of the brokenness. See, a lot of us can, can quote this verse probably uh, when it comes to our family. Check out what Proverbs 22, 6 says. It says this, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Okay, I'm going to take a, a few minutes. If you don't know what Next Gen is, let me explain really quick for you. So Next Gen, Next Generation Ministry here at Rock Church is birth all the way through young adults. So I'm thinking about this all the time. And so I want you to know this, is that as we come together, as we train up the next generation, we've got to take a priority in pouring into them and having so many different schools of thought um, when it comes to the church world pouring into these kids. And, and more than just kids, right? We were all kids at one point. More than that, if we can do this and get this idea of biblical family ingrained in our kids and as they grow up, can you imagine the damage to darkness our kids can do when they're older? And then when they're grandparents and then when their kids are parents, we can have a huge impact in the next generation. Listen, because of family fights, we have a lot of them. Family tension and the destruction life can bring, a lot of Christian families begin to lose their marbles. And so today, my message, in light of that, is called Losing Your Marbles. And I want you to learn, whether you have kids, you don't have kids, you're a grandparent, you have grandkids, whatever stage of life you're in. So this isn't exempting anybody today. I want you to know that you have the opportunity to make the most of time in your relationships, and especially family time. Instead of feeling like we failed our relationships, what if we began to look at biblical families different today? There's this infographic, you can put it on the screen, that we have on the Next Gen side. It's very similar to this one. I know you probably can't read it, but the point is to more show you what it looks like so that you can come over to the Next Gen side after service and check it out. What if we begin to look at Parenting through phases, through phases of life, through mentoring people at whatever phase that they're currently in. If we can help people reach their God-given potential, especially in relationships, how many healthy families will we have in the future? And today I want to challenge your idea of what a healthy family looks like. Because here's our goal, okay? Our goal as Next Gen Ministry here at Rock Church is to, do two, is, is to do one thing, is to unite the light of the family, which is yellow, with the heart of the church, which is red. The, the light of the family, which is yellow, with the heart of the church. And that makes orange. And if you've ever been on the other side of, of the building, you'll see uh, we have a lot of orange in the comments. That is intentional. <laughs> that is not accidental, right? We want to partner with families so that kids can take their faith home with them and live it out every single day. And so you'll see that diagram on the screen, right? We want to have two influences. The yellow is the, the church, the light of the world, and the red is the heart of the family. And when you take the light of the church and combine it with the love of the family, you increase the potential to influence the life of a kid 
or a teenager. Yellow can only do what it can do. Red can only do what it can do. But when they come together, you get orange, right? Two combined influences can make a greater impact than just two influencers. And the crazy thing that I've learned is this in all my time is that I can do something here at the church. I can pour into a kid. I can pour into somebody and, and find that I have not a lot of time to do it. I actually only have 40 hours estimated. It's like, uh, yeah, you can see that right there. About 40 hours that I have of influence with students, with kids a year. However, if we begin to partner together, families in the church begin to partner together, we have upwards of 3,000 hours that you have at home by yourself to influence your family. 3,000 hours to influence your family. Today, here's what I want to do. I want to give you some resources. If you're a parent in here, uh, maybe you came for child dedication today. We're so glad that you're here if it's your first time. Maybe you're in here and you're like, I've got a broken, messed up family. I haven't talked to my mom in years. I, I want to give you five simple things today. If you're taking notes with me, i got five values that are going to help you win at home. And when I say at home, I really mean at home with your family, right? Not necessarily a physical home, but with your family in general. And I want to give you these five principles that I want you to start taking and living out intentionally in your life. The family exists even in its imperfection, to display the heart of God to every generation. And these five principles come out of a book. If you want to write this down, the book is called Parenting Beyond Your Capacity by Carrie Newhoff. The cool thing is we actually have given all of the parents that did child dedication today a copy of this book. So we know at least how many families are up here? Five, six. Five, six families now are going to go home and be able to implement these things in their life to help create biblical families. So Parenting Behind Your Capacity by Karen Newhoff, and let's get right into it. Number one, one value you can have is fight for the heart. Fight for the heart. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a tagline for every point after I read it to you, okay? What does fighting for the heart mean? Fighting for the heart means communicating in a style that gives your relationship value. Communicating in a way where where you're valuing the relationship and not what you can just get out of the relationship. The question here is, how do you enforce the rules by still maintaining the relationship? That's a hard tension. Because some of us in this room tend to be on the rules side. When we got married, Carly and I realized, oh, Carly is on the rules side. She does everything one way. It cannot go out of these parameters. And I had to really learn a lot of things when I first got married. But it helped keep me in check, right? You, you rules people might be saying things like this. I'm going to be a little dramatic, okay? You probably don't say it this mean. But go to bed on time. 9 p.m., lights out, over, done. You better have your eyelids shut. Do your chores the first time I ask. Not the second time, not the third time, not the fourth time. The first time I ask. And, and your reasoning might be is God has rules, okay? God has created order. And so you have to be obedient to Jesus. But then some of us, me, tend to be on the relationships side. Now, it doesn't mean I don't value rules, but it doesn't mean that's the way I view the world, okay? And catch this, this is important. 
some of us tend to be on the relationship side. There might be a late conversation. It's going past 9 o'clock, 9.20, 9.30. And, oh, yeah, we didn't get to bed until 9.45. But we had a great conversation, right? We connected really well. Maybe the relationships people are like, oh, you feel bad that your kid has to go up. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't have kids. So uh, maybe you feel bad that you have to, uh, your kid has to go out and mow the lawn. So, hey, let's tackle chore time together. We view the world differently, relationships and rules. And it's a real source of tension, but it's important, as Pastor Angelo would say, we have to live in the tension of relationships and rules. Because both of them together will come together to help us fight for the heart better of our, of our kids, of the next generation, of our students, right? One thing that we feel like we have to leverage sometimes is control. Because... Because we don't want to necessarily control, we want to have influence. Because let me ask you this. Who are the people that you listen to the most? You listen to people that love you the most. You listen to people that invest in you the most, that spend time with you the most. Not necessarily the people who try to control you the best, right? So we want to leverage this idea of, of control and turn it into influence. See, some of you guys think that you have your kids... Under control. <laughs> Maybe you don't think that. I don't know. But it's funny because, because there's kids that you'll see that have a, a really healthy balance of rules and relationships that often follow their parents really, really, really well, right? But it's that balance of rules and relationships. Fighting for the heart means fighting for the relationship with someone. It can be a big challenge for us to some of us that are rules-based because Jesus oftentimes brings it back to love. Check this out, Matthew 22, verse 37, it says this. It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, right? And part of loving God is also loving people. Like I said, it might be debatable, it might be controversial to you, I might be giving you a wake-up call, but relationships with other people are one of the most important ways that we show honor to God. How we show love to God. We tend to do what people to, uh, do, I'm sorry, we tend to do what the people who love us the most want us to do. And ultimately, we want our families to obey Jesus and please the Lord. And, and this, this question why is so important. I've learned in this generation today, it, it might be really frustrating. Sometimes I'll, I'll have students on Wednesday night that I'll be like, why, 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 why? And I'm just like, because I said so, Okay. Just do it. But giving the why is so important. And here's a really good why. Like coming back to the Bible, here's a really good why that you can give to your kids. Why? We want to please God. Colossians 3.20 says this. It says, children, obey your parents in everything. See, the, the verse just doesn't end there, right? It actually gives the why behind we, why kids need to obey their parents, right? For this pleases the Lord. So if we'll come at that angle for our kids and say, Everything you do gets to go and please God, right? If we can come from that angle, that might open our kids up to go, hey, I want to please God. I want to follow Jesus with everything I've got. I see the kids on Sundays and, and on Wednesday nights. I see that they're hungry going after God. And if they want to do that, and we can show them, hey, fighting for the heart is not just about rules. It's not just about obeying people. It's also about pleasing God. Number one, fight for the heart. So, so, so important. Number two is this, another value you can take home with you today 
and this is a tough one, is imagine the end. Imagine the end. Not the end of your life, necessarily, but imagine the end of a phase. Imagining the end uh, requires this. It, it requires focus, focusing on your, your priorities on what matters most. Focus your priorities on what matters most. Sometimes we, we focus our priorities on what uh, matters now instead of what matters most. And we miss the moments we can have with our families. Everyone says all the time, kids grow up so fast. And this is so true. And the author of this book, Carrie Newhoff, uh, he's a pastor and an author. He says it this way. It's so key. He said, we have less time than we think, but we also have more influence than we can imagine. We have less time than we think. Very, very, very true. But we also have more time than when we can, what we can imagine. Last week, I just turned 27, which is unbelievable to me that I'm 27. I keep going around to people saying, I'm so old, I'm so old, and I get, keep getting laughed at for some reason. But my knees hurt now. I know I'm getting old because my knees are hurting. And every year, my birthday, every single year, I always wanted to be older. I don't know what it was. Every birthday, I was like, okay, I'm five, but I want to be 10. Because I know when you're 10, you have a little bit more freedom. I'm 10, but I want to be 13, because everybody says being a teenager is so cool. I'm 13, but I want to be 16. I really want to get my license uh, right now. I'm 16, but I want to be 18. I'm not a real adult, and people don't treat me like a real adult. I'm 18, and now I want to be 16, <laughs> because I have all this responsibility now, and I, I flew through life trying to grow up, trying to be older, but then realize it's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of weight. And listen, kids grow up so fast. If we don't help them develop character, right, in this season now, walking through things spiritually and walking through life practically can be really, really difficult. And so we have to be so key as parents, as, as families, as grandparents, to do one thing and one thing clear is imagine the end. Because if we can imagine the end, I'm telling you, we're going to help our kids get further in their faith. Research shows this. And I don't have the actual statistics, but I wrote this down. Research actually shows that when your children are at home, nobody is more influential than you. That's a wake-up call for some of us today. When your kids are at home after school all summer long, right? When your kids are at home, your grandkids are over. Nobody is more influential than you. See, my parents were home when I was a kid, but my point is this. I still wanted to grow up, right? My point is this. Are you pouring into your kids now that in a way that imagines the end? Listen, we have an epidemic in this culture, I talk about it a lot, of busyness, busyness, busyness. And I get that. But through the busyness, how are we leveraging all this Influence. Here's a natural way we like to leverage influence is, is by asking this question. What do I want them to do when they get older? It blows my mind sometimes. Uh, some of it's innocence and, it's, and it's, it's really cool actually with kids. But it blows my mind the amount of kids that say, I want to be this when I grow up. And, and not like a bit, like a, it wouldn't surprise me as much, and hear my heart in this, if it was like an athlete or an astronaut, or something that is like, kind of like very, very small percent of people do, but some people are like, as a kid, <laughs> I'm going to be an engineer. 
I'm like, how do you even know what an engineer is? But sometimes we focus so much on what we want our kids to do, and we forget that we have to raise them up to be something, right? We ask the question, what do I want them to do when they get older? Instead, we have to start asking this question, who will you become? See, who you will become impacts more than just what you do. It actually covers that too. But it impacts your marriage. It impacts your relationship with God. It impacts the way you handle situations day to day. Right? And what you're going to do in your life. What if you started building your calendar around this question? What if you started using a calendar, implementing it, so that you can be more intentional in your life? Well, we're going to talk about how to leverage time in one of the next couple points here. But imagine the end. Why? You want to imagine the end so we can focus on priorities on what matters most. Not what matters now, but what matters most. Number three is this. We've got to widen the circle with our kids, with our relationships, with our families. We must widen the circle. What does widening the circle entail? Widening the circle entails pursuing strategic relationships for your kids. This one's huge because this is me. This is where I come in. This is where some of our volunteers come in. Pursuing strategic relationships for your kids. Everyone can think of at least one person outside of their immediate family that spent time with them as a kid. I'm sure everybody has a mentor that they looked up to. And if you didn't have a mentor that you looked up to, you had somebody that spoke something, whether it was through TV or media, right, that, that took you to your next level in your life, right? These relationships often happen accidentally. But what if we intentionally pursue these relationships strategically? What if instead of saying, well, this kid's going to speak into my life or this influence is going to speak in, into my kid's life, instead of saying that, what if we said we're going to strategically find people to pour into our kids? What if we begin to do that? What would begin to change in the lives of our kids and how we parent? Because here's the thing. God never intended for us to parent alone. And there's so many families that walk in here. And I love talking to families. I love hanging out with parents. But there's so many families that walk in here that feel like they have to do this thing alone. And that's where the partnering with the church comes in, right? We as a church get the opportunity to invest in your kids for you. And, and let me say this, for free, right? <laughs> and the beauty of that is this, is that your kids now will develop in their faith further past what you can do on your own. Because we're all limited, right? Let's be honest. We're all limited. We all only have one perspective when it comes to things. But imagine multiple pers perspectives coming around your family. Let me give you this, uh, just a quick plug again. Uh, for rock kids, rock students, rock young adults. Loop in leaders. We've got tons of volunteer leaders that come here every single week to pour into your kids, whether you believe it or not. And, and some of you grandkids in here too, right? And so take that moment. Find out who that leader is. And then and pour into them. Invest in them. Uh, get to know them. And help them, uh, help set them up for success so they can speak truth into the life of your kids. Maybe some of you need to get involved in a life team this year. Because further past, just talking about kids and families and students, right, all these things, maybe some of you don't have a family in here. Maybe you need to get involved in a life team or a life group that will get you plugged into a family, right? 
And, and that serving, that pouring yourself out, that um, sharing openly with other people will begin to do not only wonders for you, but also for other people in your groups and on your teams. When somebody at Rock Church knows somebody else's name, it does wonders for that person. Because you're accepted, you're known, you're loved, you're seen. And now, further past that, you can begin to do uh, amazing things. What God is uh, calling you to operate in because that, that is, you're already past that point of getting known and being seen. And, and let me say this, if you're a parent in here too, get your kids involved in serving. I love when I see young people up on the platform leading worship. I love when I see young people back in the booth, uh, the production booth, with the cameras and everything walking around. It's just cool and it adds a different perspective and a different flavor to our church. There's a story, let me share a story with you about widening the circle. I have a pastor friend who lived out in the Muskegon area. He moved over here and then he just moved back recently. And he had a youth group. It was his first ever youth group. He had kids that came to his youth group and he had one kid that actually came in that had a really, really rough family situation. I don't know the full story, but basically the story goes something like this. He no longer was living with that family and he was in the foster care system. I know we have a lot of foster care parents here in the church, which is an amazing thing. That is a huge, huge uh, toll and responsibility that you take on when you say yes to that. And, and so this, this youth pastor is about my age, so I'm 27, so back then he would have been like 22, 23 years old. And, and this kid, because he had such an influence in one of his kids' life in his youth group, when he found out he was in the foster care system, he actually adopted this 16-year-old kid. So you had a 22, 23, 24-year-old man with his wife who adopted his kid. Now, listen. I understand that is a very, very drastic scenario that I'm talking about. A lot of us, that probably won't happen to, right? But what if we begin to widen the circle and allow other people to pour into our kids because those strategic relationships matter? Now, I don't know where this kid is today. I don't know where he's at in his faith. But just know that's one area in his life now where he had somebody invest in him, somebody care for him outside of his biological parents, right? Widen the circle. It's so important. Number four is this. This is probably my favorite one because this is just who I am. I know I'm not a rules person necessarily, but I love this idea of rhythm. Number four, create a rhythm. Create a rhythm. Some of you are laughing at me right now because you're like, that is not physically possible. <laughs> create a rhythm. Here's what I mean by creating a rhythm. Creating a rhythm involves increasing the quantity of quality time you spend together. So I'm not necessarily talking about making sure you get your kids to bed at 9 and waking up at 7, okay? But what I am talking about is increasing the quality of, uh, uh, the quantity of quality time that you spend together. Not only that, but increasing the quality as well so that when you get to that point, you can have honest and good conversations with people in your life. This is a huge part of family life. Trying to get everybody on schedule, eating when you're supposed to, sleeping when you're supposed to, doing your homework. I can't imagine how freeing summer might feel for you, but how, uh, uh, how much you dread probably going back to your rhythm in the fall as a parent. Here's why I talk about rhythm. Because rhythm silently and specifically communicates value. You are what your rhythm is. You are what you say is important and what you do, right? Rhythm silently 
And specifically, as it creeps into your life, right, as you, as you establish your rhythms, it communicates what you value as a family and what you value as a person, right? You are what you repeat. And some of you, uh, this is sports because it's a huge part of your family. And I applaud you for some of you that have four or five kids, grandkids, people, whatever, that do sport. I don't know how you do it. But sports is something that you value, right? Now, the question is not, well, how do we get rid of this so we can have more time for God? The question is really imagining a way where you can include God in that daily rhythm of sports, right? And it's not just limited to sports. It's whatever you do. How are you allowing God to impact your rhythm? Deuteronomy, actually, if you don't know, it's one of the Old Testament books early on in the Bible. Uh, Deuteronomy outlines a, a way to get your kids, it kind of puts it right in front of us, to, to get your kids in line with God every single day and impressing that on them. And there's four different ways that the Bible talks about helping your kids connect with God at specific times. Check this out. Deuteronomy, I believe it's 6, chapter, or, or chapter 6, verse 4 through 9 says this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your, with all, with all your, the love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. We just read that verse in Matthew earlier, right? These commandments that I give you today are to be on your what? Hearts. To be on your hearts. Check this out. Impress them on your children. Not force them on your children. <laughs> Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. As you walk out today, we're going to have strings with Bible verses that you can tie around your kids' foreheads as they leave today so they can remember God. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, <laughs> you guys, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm totally kidding. That was not serious. <laughs> if you're online with us, may, hopefully you got my joke. But listen, there are four areas of strategic times that you can help your kids connect with God, right? That you can create your rhythm. It's morning time, bedtime, meal time, and travel time. We all have to travel somewhere at some point in the day. We all have to eat at some point in the day. We all have to go to bed at maybe at some point in the day. We all have to wake up at some point in the day. If you'll take each of these moments and begin to be strategic, right, and impress these things on your kids' hearts, how much leverage point and leverage time will you have to have a conversation about God? To see, hey, how did you encounter God today? Hey, what did you do at school today that honored God, that glorified God? Some of you, some of you in here don't necessarily know what to talk about at those times. Maybe you know, hey, I'm good at rhythm, I'm good at doing these things, but you don't know necessarily what to say. I'm going to give you some resources in a little bit, not yet. But there's some resources. If you're a parent, we have on the next gen side for you today. You can come pick them up, and they're just papers that outline certain things and can help you win as a parent, right? Um, one of those things uh, is we actually send emails out to all of our parents as well. And on the email, it gives you morning time, bedtime, meal time, travel time of what you can say that actually lines up with the messages that we preach on a Sunday morning for kids. It's pretty cool. And Wednesday nights for students. And so be checking your emails. Don't move into junk. I know you get a lot of emails, right, in your life. 
But take those things, and you can literally read with your kids what we've been reinforcing in church every single, every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, and begin to win in these key pivotal moments. Whew. Number four, creating a rhythm. So, so important. And number five, as we get ready to close, is what? Make it personal. Make it personal. I believe everything we do, everything we do as Christians, as Christ followers, as, as people, we've got to not just, everything we, we value, we can't just force on other people. We have to make it personal. And what does making it personal look like? It's putting yourself first when it comes to personal growth. Put yourself first when it comes to personal growth. Just recently I started running in the mornings. Uh, this last week I did not run a lot. Uh, but I, I have committed, not, not because uh, I need to lose weight, not because I'm severely out of shape. I've just committed that, hey, I need to be better about uh, my healthy habits, right? And so I know that if I'm asking other people to be healthy in other areas spiritually and maybe physically, I need to put myself first, right, and make it personal and start running. One of the ways you can do this, I was just talking about resources that you guys can have, is uh, we have a slide for this, the Parent Q app, okay? This is not an app Rock Church owns, but it's an app that Rock Church partners with so that parents can, can get um, daily cues that help you grow as a parent. You can take a picture of that. It's easy. It's on the App Store. It's on the Google Play Store. You can download that app. And you can see our lessons that we do every single Sunday based on your kid's age and where they're at in life. How cool is that? And then it gives you cues for the day and encourages you every single week to be a better parent. Again, we're not talking about being the perfect parent. We're talking about being a biblical parent. And if we're going to be a biblical parent, that requires a little bit of growth. That requires us to stretch outside of ourselves and say, God, I want you to, to pour into, to download into my spirit whatever you can so that I can help the next generation grow to be what it can be. It's so important in making it personal. You know, instead of just losing our marbles during every moment, what if we strategically began to lose our marbles? See, I have this jar of marbles here. And what I found out is this. These marbles, every marble represents a week of your kid's life from birth all the way through 18. What I really wanted to do was to get a jar of 938 marbles because that signifies 938 weeks you have from the time your kids are born all the way until they graduate high school at 18 years old. 938, that's a lot of marbles. So instead, I decided to just get a, a jar of marbles with 52 marbles in it, representing 52 weeks in a year, you have 18 of these jars. So envision with me 18 of these jars. We actually, fun fact, gave a jar of these marbles to each of our parents as well to remind them of how much time that they have to intentionally pour into their kids. And the crazy thing about this is, is this. As we begin to take those marbles out of the jar, sometimes I think we think of it negatively, like this is how much time I have left to pour in to this kid. But what if we strategically begin to take out marbles every single week, one, one week, and as the, mar as the jar dwindles down, we begin to say, hey, this week I'm gonna be intentional in this area. And this week, I'm gonna teach my kid how to pray. And this week, the week before, I'm going to learn how to pray. 
And this week, we're going to have a really honest conversation at mealtime. And every single marble we get, as we lose our marbles, right, we don't, we, don't, we don't get frustrated and easily angered. And when we do, we apologize. And that's a week that I go, oh, I got to show my kid what it means to repent and to have grace in situations and to know that we're not all perfect. And every single week as the marbles get lower, we would know that the impact we're having is significantly greater than it could ever be. And the urgency of the now, check this out, the urgency of the now is not when the, the jar's all the way filled up. So that we can begin to look ahead and say, God, I'm going to begin to look ahead and look at, uh, uh, look at the future. What did I say, number two? I'm sorry, I'm totally drawing a blank on that point. But as I begin to uh, not only look at right now, but imagine the end of where I'm going, I don't have to live urgently. I don't have to live day to day. I can begin to live further out in my life and my faith so that my kids can have an, an amazing encounter and experience with Jesus, right? And as we begin to do that, right, the urgency that now becomes less, but the importance of imagining the end becomes greater. And then, when they get to be 18 years old, when they grow up, when, when they become an adult, right, when they have to have responsibility and they want to go back to being 16, what do we begin to do? They begin to take this empty jar of their life and everything they've learned, and every week now they, they're, they're open to getting what God has for them. And they're learning things, and they're growing in things, and they're, they're being more intentional in their life, and they're seeing, hey, you know what? This is what my parents did for me. This is what a person in the church did for me. This is what my grandparents did for me. This is what my mentor did for me. And now I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus in a way where I'm being filled to be more and more and more like Jesus. More like Jesus. 938. 938 marbles. Will you stand with me today? Let's start looking at losing our marbles as a way to help empower our families to live out biblical lives so that we can empower kids to live better than us. Pastor Angelo always talks about this idea of better than me, right? If you are living this life of, well, I'm better than this person or I want to be higher than this person in, in this status or whatever, we're living so wrong. We have to live in a way that says you are going to be better than me one day. You are going to be stronger in your relationship with, with Christ than me because I'm being intentional in this moment. Here's what I want to do. I want to have an altar moment for some of you in the room. Uh, but before we get to that, if you want any resources today, if you'll head after service out to the next gen side of the building to pick up your kids, it's the area where we have kids today. We have a big wooden wall. It's called our phase wall. And basically on that wall, we put in all these resources that you can take today that we've talked about and start being intentional the minute you start driving home with your kids, right? Or maybe if you're in here and you're like, I want to grow so that I can be a, a good parent one day, those resources are there for you too. But we've got tons of resources that you can take at that wall. But right now, living in this moment, I'm going to ask you this question. How would you live or parent if you began to intentionally count the marbles, how would you begin to live if you were intentionally counting the marbles? Here's all I do. I want to offer, I'm going to pray, and then after I'm done praying, you can come forward for whatever you need prayer for. But to my left 
if you're a parent out there specifically or a grandparent out there, that you are, are trying to do this thing as hard as you can in your family. Hey, again, you might be a biblical family, which is awesome, but life is just hard. We're going to have people down here praying for you. Um, and we also have a prayer and care lounge if you need it as well. But we want to encourage you. Hey, don't do this alone. Allow that light of the church with the heart of the family begin to come together today. So if you need prayer for anything on my left, that'll be for you. And on my right, if you just want to go after God, and not have any prayer for anything right now, but just go, you know what, I'm going to commit to this thing. I'm going to commit to relationships over the next four weeks, and then maybe even in the fall, I'm going to commit to relationship course and grow in my relationships with God and other people. I want to encourage you to my right. This altar will be open. So I'm going to pray. If that's you, feel free to come down to the altar. Jesus, we thank you. We know that, God, we try. Our efforts are there, God. But ultimately, I pray that right now, your grace would be all over our lives. God, I pray that biblical families would come out of today, that even when life gets tricky, even when life gets tough, even when we get a curveball thrown our way, God, we can begin to live under the grace of you. We begin to have a front row seat so that the people behind us, the people that are watching us can see, oh, God's grace is all over this person. And I pray, God, for anybody who's just struggling today, you would begin to give them comfort and peace in everything that they do. That concludes this week's podcast. To stay up to date with all things Rock Church, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as Rock Church MI.